Hey there, quick heads up before we kick off today's episode. We're a small team effort so far, just the two of us and our editor making all of this happen. And now we're looking to take this show to the next level and could use your support to make it possible. We want to make sure that these conversations stay uninterrupted. So instead of selling ads, we've set up a Patreon community where you can get some cool extras like exclusive content, behind the scenes access, and a chance to have your questions answered by some of our guests. Your support matters a lot. So please check out the Patreon link in the show notes for this episode or go to theother22hours.com and click on Patreon. As always, thanks for listening, and here comes the episode. This is the Other 22 Hours Podcast. Where our goal is to provide musicians and other creatives with tools to create sustainability so you can sustain your creativity. Hey, and welcome to this week's episode of the Other 22 Hours Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Schaefer-Hayes. And I'm your host, Michaela Ann. And if you're new to the podcast, thank you for checking us out. If you're a returning listener, thank you for returning. For those of you that are new to the podcast, this show is not your typical music interview show. We're not going to talk about the guest's latest record or a tour they're about to go on. We are going to talk about the other 22 hours, the times that we as musicians are not on stage, and maybe some of the tools and the routines that our guests have found to help them stay sane, inspired, and creative as they're navigating and building a sustainable career around their art. Between the two of us, Aaron and I have almost 25 years of experience in the music business. I've worked at labels and taught music in schools and privately and spent the better part of the last decade building my independent career as a recording artist and touring the world. And I started playing in bands and making records with friends in high school and then spent a lot of years on the road with a lot of different bands. I too taught a lot of classes in New York City public schools and ran community percussion ensembles. And now I find myself spending my time here in my studio in Nashville producing records and writing music for TV. And through all of this, Michaela and I have learned that there's no one right way to build a career around your passion. And in an industry where so much feels out of our control, up to luck, up to being at the right place at the right time, who you know, we wanted to focus on the things that are within our control. And so with that in mind, we decided to invite some of our friends and our favorite artists on to have a conversation about all the other times that are outside of the public eye and ask them the question, what do you do to create sustainability so that you can sustain your creativity? The friends that we invited today are Lucius. Jess and Holly, who make up Lucius, are an incredible duo that are known for their blend where their two voices sound like one. They have released several records of their own original music toward the world, but they also are in-demand collaborators and performers. Even if you've never heard of their name before, I'm sure that you've heard their voices. They have been on records with Jeff Tweedy, Brandy Carlisle, The War on Drugs, Cheryl Crow, Grace Potter, Lucas Nelson, John Prine, Joni Mitchell, and spent a few years on the road with Roger Waters and are also on his record. Yeah, they have a wealth of experience as front women as well as supporting musicians. So it was really cool to talk to them and hear how they have learned over the years to prioritize their time and different projects, what they do to rejuvenate the power of rest and the healing aspect of home and mundane domestic activities. And so with that, here's our conversation with Lucius. 
are you guys this morning? Good. Tired. Good. Yeah. It's finally not raining, which yeah. is, I mean, it's been just insane in, in California the last couple of months. So, yeah. yeah. With rain and snow, right? Like, yeah. didn't I see it, it even snowed in LA like a little bit? You had some flakes fall or something? Jeez. Yeah, but the mountains around LA, because you can see them, the sky, were just covered, like mm-hmm. Swiss Alps or something. It was very bizarre. Yeah. You know, palm trees. Wow. It was actually really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. you expect that in Seattle or Portland. Or Nashville. Nashville winter is just mm-hmm. so dark and rainy. It's mm-hmm. pretty depressing. Yeah. Anyways, I wanted to start off establishing just how long we've known each other. I think it's probably been almost... I don't know, 15 years, 13 years that we've all known each other. And we go way back to like right out of college, Brooklyn days. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about, I still vividly remember the moment I met you guys was in the Bromley house. Uh And David Lismy had invited me to come and sing with the Chupacabra Kings. Yeah. The country cover band that would play at Rockwood all the time. And I remember sitting on the couch with you, Jess, and meeting you all for the first time. And something came up about your band. And I said, oh, you have a band? And you said, yeah, we're called Lucius. (laughs) For some reason, I remember that moment. But when we were talking about talking to you guys, one of the unique things about you, even from those early days, is that you've always been so involved in your community and singing and performing with other people while clearly prioritizing your band as well and that it's been incredible as a friend to just watch how that has expanded and grown to so many heights and how do you do that (laughs) like how do you have like the energy is that just like a natural extension of communally how you guys the energy level has definitely gone down the last few years I'm sure the pandemic has something to do with that like when you're just going all the time you're used to going all the time Mm -hmm. you're used to saying yes and like you know if you're on tour with someone else you naturally want to perform together or collaborate if you're in a community of other artists you want to exchange ideas so it was always very natural and we are collaborators constant collaborators obviously so extending that outwardly is just fun but also you learn a lot when you work with other people but in pandemic I I feel like because we all stopped we were forced to stop yeah particularly the touring aspect the energy level it's been a little bit harder to get back up and running in a way that doesn't feel like much harder than it did before yeah is that is that a welcome change it was for a while but like the pause was welcome Holly had Mm -hmm child, my godson. There were a lot of beautiful parts that came out of it. We were already on kind of a hiatus from our own thing because we were supporting Roger Waters and doing, you know, these other collaborations and singing on other people's records and stuff. So then when the pandemic came along, it was like sort of an unwanted extension of that hiatus. So coming out of that was like, oh, we have to get back to our thing. And it's been so long at this point. And now so many people know us for doing this work with others. And because there's two of us, we're like an automatic background unit. So this has been a topic of conversation for us lately because we love doing it. But it becomes difficult to navigate us as our own artists versus us as like a unit singing with other people. Yeah. How do you guys negotiate? So the conversations include like what you guys feel like doing for your artistic personal experiences and then also what might be the right decision for your kind of like 
larger career goals and business? Yeah, it's more of a conversation now, whereas I think before we were like, it's easy for us to collaborate. It's easy for us to sing backgrounds, to sing harmonies, to whatever. Now we're just having to be more purposeful, thoughtful Mm -hmm. about our approach. Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. when you're starting out, for us, we were like, if you have to be at the right place at the right time, just be at every place at every time (laughs) and and something will click. (laughs) So we were just like ran ourselves into the ground. And, you know, you get older, you like have less energy, you get more particular about what is going to move you creatively, you know, when at the end of the day, is this fulfilling me more than just getting exposure or whatever? And that's, I think that's kind of where we're at. But I do think it worked for a while. It did work for a while. You had said preservation of energy and the focusing of energy on what's important. And that has been a really common theme in all of these conversations we have. Mm-hmm. And I know like for us, that's something that the pandemic really taught us. And I think I don't know if your experience was this, like leaving New York. For me, it was like 12 years of pumping up Reebok pumps. And like, I can do this and like the inertia of being everywhere all at once, something's going to stick. And then you just get caught in it. And then you step back and you're like, oh, it doesn't have to be like that, which was like what the pandemic was for us. Now it's, oh, maybe if we focus our energy in a specific way, in fewer directions for what we want, it can be not only more successful, but more fulfilling and more sustainable. Well, we're trying to take that cue. Yeah. We haven't been the best at that. But I do agree that being in New York, you know, especially when we all were there, mm-hmm. there was like a real vibrancy and a pulse. Yeah, especially in Ditmas. I mean, you'd go get mm-hmm. coffee and it'd take me two hours to get coffee, even though it was right down the street because I'd run into everybody. And yeah. Exactly. And, and, it, was, and it was so alive and it was so exciting. It was a perfect place to be really figuring out, you know, your creative intentions because... Yeah, the community was everything for us. And then it got to a point where you're on tour for a long period of time and you come back and you're like, wait a minute, where did everybody go? They're either on tour or they moved to different cities. And it just started to feel like it was time to be somewhere where we could have a little more sunshine, a backyard, barbecue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think focusing on like your smaller circle. I think it's a natural progression when you're younger. Your life is so filled by your friends and being out and Mm -hmm. wanting to meet people, especially as musicians, like so much is about building your, I hate the word networking, but your network of relationships. And then I think there's just a natural tendency as you get older, like, oh, I want to build my home life, my family life, even if it's, you know, you and a partner or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) She got the cue. Which one is that? Turtle. I have a video of sleeping with Turtle one time when I stayed at your house <laughs> when you weren't there. <laughs> and she yeah. was really intense all up in the covers. And oh, stuff. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she loves to snuggle. She's a puppy. She's kind yeah. of a dog. Yeah, dog cat. Yeah. Dog cat. <laughs> Everyone who is not a cat person meets Turtle and becomes one. Oh, yeah. I remember that. So when navigating all that stuff, like your decisions and how you spend your time, since there are two of you, are there ever times that you're not on the same page? Or are you guys pretty much in sync of those type of decisions? And if you aren't on the same page, how do you deal with that? I think usually like if one of us really doesn't want to do something, then we both agree that it's not the right thing. Because unless financially we have to do it or whatever, 
if it doesn't make sense for whatever reason, emotionally or physically, you know, we've got each other's back. There's always things that are popping up and it's very easy to be like, oh, I want to do that because this, that, or the other. You kind of learn what is worth it and what isn't sometimes over the course of just saying yes to everything and then doing it and being like, yeah, I think we need to do that again. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. And like how much you're putting in yeah. versus what you're potentially getting back. We have to think about those things because yeah. everything's taking a little more out of us. I guess it's age. I guess it's just time. Yeah. yeah. And just wanting to focus on your own thing and having energy for that, yeah. like having the most energy for that. Yeah. So your Lucia's project has become the priority again, I'm oh, assuming. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's happened a few times where we have tended to other things and then we get back to needing to write or whatever and just have no brain power for it. Our own thing suffers if we're not tending to it, just like anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Getting back to Lucius and collaborating and all of that. And correct me if I'm wrong, you guys had a ton of co-writers on the record you just put out, right? Yeah. Is that a new thing? I don't know about writing on the earlier records. Yeah. I mean, Danny co-wrote a couple things on Wild Woman, but we had never done that. And um, cool. it was really good for us. There was a lot going on personally for me and obviously for both of us in pandemic and having spent so much time on the road and then stopping mm -hmm. everything suddenly. It was really nice to have somebody else to bounce ideas off of that was outside of us. Because, you know, we do everything together pretty much. Mm -hmm. it, we really almost experience each other's lives as a constant witness. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it easy for us to be able to write together on behalf of one another, for each other, as a unit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... Mm -hmm. This just provided a little bit of perspective, and it was really welcomed. Yeah, and it all happened during lockdown, pretty much. So we were Zooming. All the rights were Zoom rights. Oh, interesting. And all That's the writers needed it because they had like never yeah. done that before. <laughs> we and, loved it. And we had never <laughs> written with other people before, so we loved it because it was, you know, very time efficient. It's no one wants to spend more than three hours on a Zoom call or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, so it was good, but it was crazy because recently we met a couple of them in person and it was just like, wait, we haven't met in person. Yeah, right? Lori had been <laughs> written like seven songs together and we had, after three and a half years, mm -hmm. we had only just met in February. Yeah. And wow. We met at the Kelly, Kelly Clarkson taping. Yeah. <laughs> And again, we had written in, in Pandemic and, you know, a couple of our songs made the record and everything and we had never met. And he lives in our city. Yeah, but I legitimately had to be like, have we met in person yet? I can't No, okay, we haven't. It's such so a weird. weird time. I know. Yeah, it's so strange. And yeah. I write with a lot of people that still love to write on Zoom. And it's just such a weird thing for me still. Yeah, you hate it. I've learned that I have to approach it to write a certain type of song. For me, if you're trying to like go deep and really like excavate, I'm not going to be able to get there on Zoom. How do your Zoom writes, like, how do they go? Yeah, so two ways. I'll either send somebody a sketch, you know, and it'll be more like a producer top liner situation where I send them a sketch that's 60% of the way there. And so we're writing to that foundation. But I've done some recently where we kind of sit and talk and touch base and then turn our mics off, turn our cameras off. I'll sketch something up, send it to them. Then we'll talk about that, 
turn the mics off, turn the cameras off, they'll write to that and send it back and forth. Oh. So it doesn't feel like somebody's like looking over your it's shoulder like the volume. whole time, huh. which is also weird, kind of like writing alone together, together. with separation. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like the weird like, oh, somebody's staring at me while I'm sitting here just like <laughs> scratching my head. You were always in the same room. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Maybe because we were in the same room, it didn't feel it like It felt that. different. Yeah. Yeah. And Aaron's writing often under the guise of like licensing and sync stuff, like specifically for placement versus I've tried to do, you know, Nashville writing of just to be writer. And it doesn't work for me. Like I'm just a writer that I can't be conscious of any like business intention. Mm -hmm. I only can just write emotional stuff that I'm feeling. But for you guys, when you're writing for a record, Mm -hmm. is that a lot of processing emotional stuff? that you've been going through? Or do you also have times where you're like, we want this type of song for Mm. the record? I think the we want this type of song stuff only really comes at the end. We start with just things that are brewing and whatever comes up. And then it's like, okay, we have a good selection of songs. Like how do these two go together and what's missing? Mm -hmm. Also, like sometimes if we want a specific type of song, a lot of times it doesn't come very naturally. (laughs) You know, the things that come out Quickest, usually the easiest, are the ones that sort of always were meant to exist. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. songs that we like performing most of the time. So many songwriters, we start our session trying to write a Radiohead song. It doesn't work <laughs> out. <laughs> and then we write our own song. <laughs> Totally. I remember like being like a jazz school kid. There's a lot of idolizing the greats and all that when you're studying jazz. And like somebody was like, man, stop trying to be who your idol is. Just chase what they were chasing. Take inspiration from them that way. And like where you end up is going to be your own thing. It's going to be awesome. So it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, chase what Tom York is chasing or whatever that is. And you'll land somewhere that's cool and unique. That's the the real. Yeah. (laughs) Let let me know if you find out. So one of the things that I've always been curious about you guys is, I mean, you're going on almost 20 years of having Lucius, right? And have known each other longer. Almost, yeah. 18 in December, I guess. Yeah. But you're also the best of friends in life outside (laughs) of it. From the outside looking in, that's such a beautiful, amazing thing. How does that benefit working together and are there ever any times where you have to separate like the fact that we have our deep personal friendship and that we're also like business partners in this way and third tier because of that how do you guys then help support each other in the care that it takes to I have a hard time with the word self-care but like helping each other with the self-care of making sure that you're healthy and aligned and able to do what you want to do in life. I think we've always been really good at if you're in a place that you just need to stop or you need to do something or Mm -hmm. I am in a place and and I need support, we've been really good about being there for one another or allowing space for one another to figure that out, take the time to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Of course, like life just happens and a lot of times it's a moment and we just need to like have the moment, and then it works itself out. Yeah, and I think, like, it kind of works to our advantage sometimes because there's two of us trying to lead this band, and if one person's struggling, the other person can kind of, like, kick it into a little bit of a higher gear Mm -hmm. for that period of time and then Mm -hmm. vice versa. So that has served us really well versus if we were just by ourselves. Talking to a lot of friends who do it on their own, I do feel really lucky that we have one another 
to encourage and motivate at times, but also just to have that support, you know, like just to not be alone in this thing that's really complicated and challenging, also incredibly rewarding, but not without major challenges. We don't have nine to five jobs. Yeah, I think being a solo artist is really lonely. I spent a long time like really wishing I had a band and then came to the realization of, oh, I don't actually wish I had a band because I think I'm like a weird introverted extrovert and like to be alone more than I recognize. But then it's like, oh, but you need support. So to have that like other person, like you said, to kind of carry the weight when you're feeling like you're struggling a little bit Mm -hmm. and also just uh, someone to bear witness to everything together. And I think like we're different enough personalities that we have that balance too. We can balance each other out in a way. Whereas I think if we were too similar, it would be difficult. And the first couple of years when we were touring like relentlessly and dressing completely identically (laughs) and sharing a room and everything, it was like that was a mind fuck at times. It was like, where do I end and where does she begin? You know, that was Mm -hmm. that was. Freaky. Freaky, yeah. man. But um, no, I think like you learn and we have mm. t- learned to take space and time in our schedule. And obviously with lockdown, like we talked about before, I mean, that gives you perspective. And Yeah. And I think like when we're at home, you know, we do take space naturally. Like I have a relationship and I like my quality time with him and Holly has her son. So that obviously takes a lot of time when she's home and obviously we cross over there too but we get to enjoy those things and then come back to our music I do think there's more like coming in and out a little more of a balance of like home work life than there's ever Mm -hmm. been also naturally because we can't tour for huge periods of time when you have a kid so I think it's been sort of a healthy adjustment our manager probably doesn't like it but oh well (laughs) (laughs) How he's probably chasing team? chickens in his backyard, so he's, he's got his hands full. <laughs> How was your chunk of time away recently? So I was gone for 12 days, and that's the longest I've been away. And I, on one hand, loved it, loved being alone. I was touring solo, chasing a bus on a support tour. And the band that I was opening for, the Wood Brothers, were like, are you okay? Like, are you lonely? And I'm like, no, I'm having the best time. <laughs> I love being alone. But then it also, like, by the end of the time, I was like, okay, this feels weird. I have this dream of this child that exists out there. And I'm like, no, she's real. I have to get back. I have to get back now. (laughs) Yeah. Can you guys talk about that shift of bringing a child into the mix? For me, I don't have a band that relies on me. My touring is really inconsistent. It's not like a huge part of my income. So bringing a child into the mix was like, whatever, I still just do what Mm. I want. I had some negative response from my agent at the time, which was really disheartening. It's not like it was a loss of income, but in a way, I feel like it does have healthier implications because Mm -hmm. it's crazy to be going on tour for four, six months at a time, back to back. Like Mm -hmm. it's really wild. And when you stop and take some time away and you're like, wait, who decided that this was the way that we have to do it? We've all been convinced if you're not touring constantly, then you're not like a player out there, basically. You're not like worth anybody's business or time. A lot of our friends have 
families and tour with their families, tour without their families, off and on. I mean, they figure it out. Sometimes you need help on the road. Sometimes you don't. Actually, when Holly was pregnant, the first thing I said was, I have a childhood friend. She's actually my oldest friend. We've been friends since four years old. And she was a Waldorf teacher. I knew she was leaving her job there. She's a candle maker. She lives in Oregon. I was like, we should have Katie come out on the road with us because mm. everybody already knows her. So it's not a new energy in the family. And she's so good with kids. I mean, she's already a caretaker. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being like her and our guitar player ended up falling in love. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so it ended up being perfect. Yeah. They got to play yeah. house on the road. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was great. No, I mean, I super lucked out that everyone is so supportive. Everyone... Oscar comes sometimes and other times not, but like when he comes, he's got a bunch of babysitters and he's like, here you go. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and everyone loves it and it's a good vibe and mm. it helps the dynamics, I think, too. I mean, you can be grumpy when the baby's grumpy, that's for sure. But, you know. Levity. Seriously, like babies really, I mean, it just forces you to be present. Yeah. Yeah. To not be bogged down in whatever other things you could potentially be bogged down with or in and he's just so fun and funny and adorable and yeah he has 10 babysitters and he's the center of attention and literally nothing a baby wants more than that yeah <laughs> yeah that's how we feel taking georgia on the road i feel pride as a parent because you show up to a venue and everybody the venue's like really excited to see a kid and very welcoming and everybody's like super friendly and i feel pride as a parent to like show that side of the world and humanity to my daughter like look there's a lot of love and acceptance and openness and like people are excited to be able to travel with her and show her all these different places and different experiences but then to be able to have her in a community of people that are like really open and accepting and excited safe and loving yeah mm -hmm. yeah we just did kayamo and oh yeah you guys are doing it next year are you gonna take yeah. oscar i was gonna ask you about that how'd it go it was great I would say there is no kiddie pool. Yeah, that's tough. Well, well I think Oscar oh, at that be, point will be out of a diaper, right? He'll be potty yeah, trained. Probably, yeah. Oh, so you're he'll good. Be fine. Solid. We were at the airport in Miami. Once we got back, while I was walking down the hall with Georgia and somebody's like, hi, Georgia. And I'm like, who is that? Like, she had more friends on the boat than we did. So. Everybody. Like the boat staff, the production crew, the that's fans, so like everyone knew great. Georgia. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Do you make a vacation of it anyways? Might as well. Yes. You're going to the Caribbean. Okay, how much time is spent off the boat? <laughs> it was two days. Two days. Oh, well, nice. So they were back to back. So it's basically two days out in the middle of the ocean. Don't see land, all of that. Making which music. Was, yeah, making music. And then it's two days back to back at two different islands. At least this year it was. I think it's a little bit different every year. Every but year? they basically split up like that. That's the schedule that they use every year. Okay. And. I will say like Sixth Man, the production company that puts it on, they're amazing and like so helpful and like talk about having 10 babysitters. We had like 20 babysitters. Like yeah. they would fight over holding Georgia and carrying her around and they were like <laughs> she was so accommodating. hang out in the office. That was her favorite place. Yeah. The band Joseph brought like their parents, their siblings and their sibling mm. partner and their oh, wow. their little niece. Like <laughs> right. it yeah. was yeah. it was so fun. Yeah. Maybe and, uh, grandma and grandpa. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> Brady Blade brought his wife and his four kids. Three kids. Three kids from yeah. Sweden. Oh, yeah, so, so it's fun. it was a really great experience. We've never been on a week-long festival where you literally can't go anywhere else. Yeah. You know, but it was great. You get to actually like see friends and catch up with friends and make legitimate new friends. And um, not be in a new place every day. And right, like, right at the point that you're like, wow, cool. We've been on a floating hotel for a few days. 
you yeah. get off and you're on this beautiful island in the Caribbean and you can go and do your own thing oh, for a day. Do, do you like, feel any seasickness? Some people do. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't either. That's the weird thing. Like getting home and you're walking down the hallway and you're like, oh, you still feel like it's moving. I get woozy on boats, but I haven't been on a big boat, so I don't know if I'm going to get that or not. Anytime you've been on a boat, do you get sick? Pretty much. I don't actually <laughs> oh, great. Sometimes the big boats are worse a little bit. Either yeah. end, like the front and the back move a lot, but in the middle, it kind of... It's like you're on the subway, though. Yeah, it's like the sub. I was just going to say, it's like being on the train. <laughs> yeah, and the bracelets with the pressure oh, yeah. plane. They're really fast with all of that, too. We were about to go on, and Lauren mentioned something about just feeling off, like not feeling bad. She's like, I just kind of feel off, and somebody showed up with a trench coat of like, I've got this, and I've got this, and like, what else do you need? Here are bands, here are ginger chews, like immediately. I had a great okay. time. I think you'll be fine. Yeah. I'm excited. I've never been on a cruise. Yeah, me neither. It's fun. I got COVID, though, so just try not to get COVID. <laughs> the last day, so last day. it could have been worse. It's rough. I still haven't gotten it. What? Wow. As far as I know, we take tests all the time for the last few years, like yeah. constantly. And so. you've been around people that have had it, so it's very strange. Yeah, I mean, Holly's had it twice. Uh, no, I had just once. But Oscar had it twice. twice. Andy <sighs> had it once. Yeah. Okay. It's a mysterious Crazy. thing. Yeah, like when Michaela got it, I assume that Georgia had it too. Like she was sleepless a few nights and fevers. And we thought like, oh, I was out being in the sun or something. And then Michaela tested positive, but I I never got it. Not recommended to get COVID on a cruise ship. You definitely get treated like a leper. Yeah, like security, clearing the hallway. There was like a Ghostbuster backpack wearing dude like disinfecting the air behind me. (laughs) I had to put my food in like a toxic waste bag. It was really... Isn't most everything like open air? No. It was way more like being in a giant hotel than I thought it was going to be. Oh, like a casino. I mean, there is legitimately a casino on the boat. That's exciting. Are the concerts outside or both Some of them. inside? Some. Some, okay. They're inside and outside. I mean, it's got to be wild playing a show and looking out at the ocean while you're moving in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird being on stage and having it move, you know, at least like yeah. sitting at the drums, like maybe seated no, maybe and still no moving around. Their feet for that. Okay. Back to maybe we can get Sixth Man to sponsor this episode. Yeah, that's quite the pitch. We're promoting (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so besides taking space, especially because we were talking about like you guys not only write and perform and record your music and tour and collaborate with other people, but the visual aspect, as you mentioned, Holly has from early days, been a huge part of your artistry, your costumes, your hair, your makeup, the videos, the pictures, all the different layers of your artistic expression and all of the energy that it takes to do all of that. Besides just taking space and recharging in your personal lives, any tools or things that you guys have found over the years that have been helpful that you've needed? Maybe you haven't needed anything, but things that have helped rejuvenate and re-energize you guys to have that sleep (laughs) good Mm -hmm. sleep i mean i sound like a old lady but i cannot function properly without it and a lot of water Mm -hmm. i mean when you say that my mind is like thinking about like nature and hiking and like doing things to refresh but then i'm like i don't usually have time to do those things so Mm -hmm. like (laughs) you think about it (laughs) i think about it take a nature walk in my mind no i mean i do like to walk around in nature Mm -hmm. when i have time (laughs) 
I think that's rejuvenating. You were doing meditation for a while. Yeah, I think space. I really think all senses of that word. Just taking some time to like tend to your home. Yeah. Be in your own space. Reset. Get a good night's sleep. Wake up. Like just not have to be on a schedule, a work schedule, I should say, so that you return to it with a fresh head. Yeah. You know, actually have Mm -hmm. the capacity to focus. I think things that like ground you in the home. I remember the first couple of years of touring thinking, all I want to do is like plant a seed and watch it grow into a flower. That's like all I want to do is Mm -hmm. be somewhere long enough to like see that happen, you know, Mm -hmm. because we were just like in a new place constantly every day. So I think things like that, like gardening or cooking or like very just normal mundane kind of things feel really re-energizing or re-grounding when you're always... Yeah, absolutely. We had a conversation with the Millcarton kids and Kenneth said it very literally, but then also figuratively the idea of unpacking your suitcase as soon as you get home from tour. Like literally that feels nice, but then also like figuratively of, yeah, grounding yourself and like put tour aside and like be home like as quickly as you can get into like just home life and how grounding and rejuvenating resetting that is. Last weekend we went somewhere and I... (laughs) I was like, oh, I'm really glad I didn't unpack my suitcase because I don't have to pack it now because we were on the previous weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You just took the same suitcase? Yeah. I swapped out a couple things. Yeah. <laughs> if we're going to be in a place for several days, I do love unpacking the suitcase so that at least like hotel yeah. feels like home as much as it can. But yeah, once I'm home, it is hard to unpack right away because yeah. I just want to deal with it. Lay on my bed. Yeah. 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 Nothing like sleeping at home. I know. It's so nice. Mm -hmm. One thing that I feel like is not talked about a lot in public for artists is the behind the scenes relationships that can really like make or break careers. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, having the right team behind you and just how disruptive it is if you have to change those relationships, start a new relationship, recover from a breakup with managers, labels, agents, all of that stuff, and how so much of that is really vital of keeping consistency to build your actual career. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you guys have had the same manager, agent, label basically since the beginning. The label. We've parted, yeah. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. I started with our booking agent. He introduced us to our manager, our booking agent. We met South by like 2010? Something. A long time ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ben, our manager, has been with us at very end of 2012. Yeah. Yeah. 11 years. Can you guys talk a little bit for people, especially who don't know the ins and outs of like those types of relationships, how important it is, how those have grown, if there's been growing pains. Totally. There's growing pains with any relationship. As you grow and evolve, you are always considering every part of what it is that you do and who is a part of your team and all that. But man, it speaks to loyalty on both ends. You know, we've committed to them and they've committed to us. And I know that they have our backs. Like there's almost no one except ourselves that cares as deeply about our success as they do, you know, like truly have devoted big part of their lives to our dream. Pretty incredible. Yeah. And trust. I know that if something 
ever happened. I trust completely that they are there to support us. I know Ben is, he's our guy. Like, I don't have to think about it. Yeah. It is irreplaceable. It feels good to be able to say that in this business because I feel like it's not always the case. Yeah. When you work that long with someone, you develop such a familiarity and a f- we are family. We are family. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You'd mentioned trust and that makes sense to me, especially like from your agent, you guys were backing up Roger Waters for a few years that takes trust on your agent's part to be like okay because you guys had a bunch happening on the band front Mm -hmm. you know to then be like we're gonna tour with this artist so sorry you agent aren't really gonna have much to do for a while for them to trust and believe in you on that i mean we were touring lucius in between but yeah and not to mention then pandemic struck us and so it was a double whammy for everyone so i mean i can't speak enough to the level of like support we feel and we have each other's backs Mm -hmm. does having that longevity in those two key relationships your agent and your manager have you found that has any influence on what you guys have created we have very big ideas you go out with roger waters for a couple years and you're bound to come back with So many ideas that are just (laughs) impossible to achieve without so much money. Yeah. So they keep us grounded um, (laughs) most of the time. Yeah. Of course, we all make mistakes and (laughs) want to try something and it doesn't always work out or doesn't end up paying off, so to speak. But usually, you know, they just keep us in check with our grand ideas. Yeah. They, They reel us in a little bit. Which we need sometimes. And other times, like, you know, I think they trust in us always having a vision for something. And we have been very lucky that there's always been this, like, creative spring. We haven't had, like, severe writer's block or creative sort of blockage. We've always just been able to come up with a new idea, a new landscape, a new, it's almost like a the new show, the new world we want everything to exist in. And I think that helps really motivate everything more tours mm-hmm. more songs more collaborations more whatever etc cetera, etc cetera. definitely i think there's an element of when you know that your system is in place and you're supported it also then relieves so much energy and headspace to mm-hmm. be able to keep on that creative mm-hmm. wellspring right. versus if you're like okay i have these ideas for a tour but I don't quite know how it's going to actually happen because I don't have an agent who's a good partner, which I think a lot of people, including musicians and artists who are maybe just starting out, don't quite understand all of the wheels that have to be turning at the same time to keep the machine of your business growing. But also that contributes to you being able to have the headspace to create yeah. So that you don't have to be thinking about, oh, do I have to book my own tour and how is this going to work? Or how am I going to get the word out about my stuff if I have all these great ideas, but I have no other support system right. that's going to help that? People have to be business people now much more than they did back in the day. And mm. not everyone's a business person. Some people are just artists. And it's like you struggle if you're not business minded today because you have to be yeah. certain on top of everything and so much access to everything so everybody's their 
yeah. your own entrepreneur. And, and if you don't have your social media yeah. figured out. God. Mm-hmm. If you're not good at marketing and social media and visuals and. Yeah. That's like 90% of it now. Yeah. We keep calling it Tic Tac. <laughs> There's that Adele quote where she's like, the Tic Tac what? Like, <laughs> I told Aaron this last tour that I was on. The first morning I woke up after the first show and I had so much energy and I was like, yes, I'm going to make a reel about what it's like to be on tour solo. And I like started taking videos of myself. And then by day two, I was so tired because the shows end so late and I go to bed at like two in the morning and I still wake up at 7 a.m. I was like, fuck this. I have no time for anything. I'm not doing that. And I have like a few sad videos of me. like. <laughs> Be like, I'm waking up in a hotel and now I'm running. And the other part of me is like, this is so dumb, but this is what the algorithm likes. But I don't want to do this. I I just want to show up and sing songs. I know. It's so time consuming. It's it's very time consuming. And then like, it's very hard to just record a video and be fine with that being the thing regardless of what it is because yeah. then you're like watching yourself you're like this is stupid why would I post this yeah, I yeah. wouldn't want to watch this people are like don't yeah. take it seriously just like take whatever I mean people just look at it for a second and then the, yeah, we, it's over so then it's like so then why do it so <laughs> we've been like raiding salsa in our um, dressing room chips, <laughs> chips and salsa we did a series I know it's a silly world we live in Hence why we are trying to do this podcast to contribute some like substance and things that we feel like our friends and our community of musicians have so much to say, but it feels like we're so consumed with having to kind of fit within this very easily digestible like junk food thing Mm. to get some attention or something. Mm -hmm. So anyways... We're about at our time, so we can wrap up. But thank you guys so much. Orders. Anything on these topics that you feel like we didn't cover that you would like to just share? No, I just felt bad that there were so many animal distractions. (laughs) Come here. Minnie and Turtle and Marcel. Oh, we're heavy. Okay. There we go. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Other 22 Hours podcast. You can find more info on this episode, including links to things that we talked about by going to theother22hours.com and clicking on episodes. We want this show to be a resource for our community, from our community. So we'd love to hear from you about what works and what doesn't. Please let us know by sending an email to info at theother22hours.com. And we'll see you back here next week for another episode.